Hello, friends. Welcome to the Literacy Curators Podcast. I am Susan Schatz, and this week I want to share with you some tips and tricks for teaching vocabulary in an engaging and uh, interesting way where students have an opportunity to dive more deeply into words that are important to learn, but it's not a rote, boring way of going about it. So firstly, a little bit of background. Most students can learn about eight to 10 words per week. So as a parent or as a teacher, we wanna be a little bit judicious about which words we ask students to learn and which ones we're going to take time to teach explicitly. So we know in order for a student to be an engaged reader, in order to build comprehension, vocabulary is a really strong predictor of later comprehension. So if we focus on vocabulary in K1-2, our students are much more likely to develop strong reading comprehension skills. So um, the phonics and decoding and fluency, that goes to the word reading and then vocabulary connects to the comprehension and then the fluency kind of bridges them together. So that's how it all comes together later on down the road. So we're gonna dig into vocabulary just a little bit. And I'm thinking so much about summer as we're reading about spring. I have my Maya Maya butterfly. I'm reading with some of my students right now. And, I just find myself thinking more and more about how can we do this in an engaging way because some students are just ready for summer already and you know some of us teachers are too but we want to keep ourselves interested and excited so there's ways to do that of having these topics and concepts and texts that are appealing and engaging during this time of year so if we think okay if i can teach eight to ten vocabulary words of work week i want them to be um around a certain concept. So first we think about the types of words and there's three tiers. You have a general tier, which is just a word like change. We use it all the time in everyday language. Change the channel, change your shirt, change your shoes, uh, change your table number or whatever at school. Anything where it's just common language and the students kind of pick it up in everyday language. Then we have tier two, which is more specialized or academic words, such as um, if you're in science, you might say, let's investigate this topic. Let's look into that. Uh, And over time, a student might understand it, but it's worth taking a little time sometimes for certain tier two words to make sure that the student understands what you're asking of them. I did this with some teachers a couple years ago where we really looked at the words that we use in our instructions in some of our math documents or writing or science. And it was really eye-opening to realize how many students didn't know what we meant by summarize or investigate. We needed to take a little time to break those words down since we used them so frequently, we really needed to distill the exact meaning of those words. And then a tier three is a technical word. Uh, my oh my, a better reply, an example would be chrysalis. If we're going to read all about spring and all about different animals and especially about butterflies, then a chrysalis is a term that the students are going to need to understand in order to understand the transformation of a butterfly. So I have the new, uh, what is it? The title. It's the vocabulary playbook. The vocabulary playbook Learning Words That Matter by Doug Fisher and Nancy Fry, and it's terrific. I really find it one of the most useful playbooks that they've written in a while. Um, I, of course, love all their work, but 
certain ones are my favorites and this one I, I really find very straightforward and useful. And um, the reason I started to dig into this a little bit is I was thinking about vocabulary and I was thinking about effect size. And I was thinking, how can we just break this down so that we can have fun and do it simply, but still have a high effect size? So we'll get to that in a minute. The model that I think we uh, is fun and easy to use in spring and summer. But first, I wanted to give a little more background about the why, how we choose words, which are those three tiers, and then uh, or what types of words, and then how to out of all of those. If I'm teaching my Maya butterfly and other concepts around spring. How, I have eight to 10 a week, how do I choose? So they give us five steps. One, representative. Does the word represent an important idea? And they talked about Tim Shanahan, who's always filled with brilliant thoughts and ideas. Um, and it, basically saying, you can teach words, but if you don't connect them, if the students don't understand the bigger concept, then the words don't matter. So if we choose eight to 10 words, we want them to be related to a concept that's important. Are those words representative of a bigger idea that we want them to take away at the end of the day? Um, so I might choose a word like chrysalis because I really want them to understand this idea of transformation and growth and all of that during spring. Uh, are they transferable? Will the students see it if we're discussing it during reading time? Might they see it again in English? Or does it lend themselves from transferring from a discussion to their written work? Next step three is repeatable. Will it come up over and over again throughout other units of study or throughout the course of the year? Is this word a word that is really worth knowing? Four is context. And this one's really interesting. How is it represented in the books that you're using? So if I'm teaching using my Omaya butterfly and the context really explains what the word means really clearly, then we might rely on some word solving strategies and learn the word differently throughout the course of reading the text, but I might not take time to explicitly teach it. It's If it's not well represented or presented in the context of the book, I need to take time to explicitly teach it. Same with a parent that if you realize, wow, this book's this word is pretty self-explanatory or this one's a little more complex. If you're homeschooling, if you're just reading with your own child or if you're in a whole group with a classroom, it's the same idea. Do, does this word, is it self-explanatory just from reading the story or does it require a little more effort to understand? And then the last one is just the cognitive load, which is basically, have I chosen an appropriate amount of words to teach a student? I don't wanna overload them or they're just gonna shut down, um, but I wanna give them enough where we make progress. And so we have the tiers of words and the ones that we take the time to teach explicitly um, are typically, although, you know, you might have multi-language learners that need a little help with some tier one words, but typically we would have our tier two and our tier three words, and we would figure out which of those words to teach with our five steps. Do they represent a concept? Can they transfer to another area of our instruction? Are they repeated throughout the unit or course of the year? How are they presented in the context of the book? Does it require me to take the time to present it? And then also cognitive load. How much is too much for the students or too little? And that's, you know, just a judgment call, not super scientific. Um, and then how do we go? Once we've chosen, what do we do? So this one's been one of my favorites for a while. It's called the Freire model. It has an effect size of 0.60. And you guys know I love a good effect size. That is just my jam. So. 0.40 is a year's worth of learning in a year. 
So 0 0.60 is a year and a half worth of learning in a year. Woo, that's good stuff, right? And the interesting thing is that has been proven, I think one of the studies was 0.61 when it was done individually and 0.60 when it was done with group discussion. So this is something individual at home with a parent, in a small group at school, whole group. This just lends online, in person. It lends itself to so many different ways of using this model. And the way you do it is you choose a word and then you describe essential characteristics of the word. So in uh, Fisher and Fry's booklet, they chose the word service. It's here, I'll show you. And um, what's interesting, they say essential characteristics. There's different templates of it. It varies a little bit. I just want to point out that it is not like they're copying down a strict definition. They're thinking about the word and they're describing it. So a description slightly different from a definition because there's a little more leeway in the student really expressing some essential characteristics of the word. So in service, it was something someone does for someone else. A service is helpful. And this was from a second grade example. And then the sentence was the dog walking is a service. So that's the second one is it's a description of essential characteristics. There's a sentence, you give an example of it. So maybe a crossing guard, that's somebody providing a service to someone. A non-example might be a book or a cat. Usually we don't have a service cat, right? So we have examples and non-examples are important because they help tease out what it is and what it isn't. And then lastly, I really like the component, not everyone does, but of an illustration because Doug and Nancy say that it really helps a student use a different part of their brain and really kind of help them conceptualize the all the elements of a vocabulary word. So this was a bigger one today, but I just, as I've been having fun with my students, really choosing fun, engaging books to work on fluency and comprehension and decoding and all that good stuff. And it's amazing how just a few texts around a topic, a text set um, does that. And within that, we can bring some important words to life. So if we're thoughtful about our text sets, it kind of, everything comes together. And so think about words that you might teach explicitly. Think about how you might choose them and then think about the fair model and just really giving a talking about a description talking about it talking about examples using talking about non-examples using it in a sentence and then drawing it out and it's just a fun way to spend a little more time go a little deeper with a word and then um you'll be so excited to see that awesome 0.60 effect size a year and a half worth of learning in a year with your own child or your students you take good care